Keep pounding isn't just a slogan, it's a way of life. Ice up, son. Ice up. They want to be the very best that they can be in everything that they do. I think when you have that mentality in the locker room, you can be special. When you have it with your coaching staff, you can be really good. And when it starts with your owner and it starts with your GM, you can be memorable. If I'm moving someplace and we're doing this in Carolina, the first thing I care about is winning. The second thing I care about is winning. And the third thing I care about is you guys are smart. So you, you win a lot of ways. And I don't like to lose it anyway. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the 704 Cast. It's Wes and Corey here. Uh, Matt could not join us, but I uh, just wanted to close out uh, week 18. The Panthers lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 41-17 to go to 5-12 and on the year and to end the season. Corey, how are you feeling? Well, uh, I think I can speak for a lot of Panther fans when I say that, you know, for the first time in my life, I'm glad that a Panther season is over and I don't have to watch whatever you want to call this year anymore. So I think that's the first time in my entire life that I've been able to say that I'm genuinely happy. I don't have to watch Panther football again next week. So, and that's a really sad place to be, but that pretty much sums up this year. Yeah. um, There's been some bad seasons as, as Panthers fans, but every year there seemed to – every bad year there seemed to be some sort of hope. Um, right. You go 1-15 in 15 and you get to draft Cam Newton. You go – I mean, what, 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 are some of the, what are some of the other recent years that, that just – like? Well, yeah, I mean, like Ron Rivera's, you know, you know, the second year we win, you know, five, five straight at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, there was a pr- progress made. There was – something that we can look to to say this is a solid building block for the following year. There's not anything I can take from this year to say I'm looking forward to seeing this grow or develop next year. But the process is working. Trust us. Just trust us. It's working. The first ever three and O team to start the year to end the t- season with 12 losses. Ever, ever. But, so to go from three three and zero to five and twelve, they went two and twelve over their last fourteen. Um, so, and one of those was a game they just they were destined to not lose. That felt that that Arizona game, the Cardinals game with with Cam's first game back. I mean, they just weren't going to lose that. No, and I think too. I think you know, Rule can talk about his process as a team, and I think another frustrating part about it for for me is you know we can see maybe some strides with the you know players getting better the defense getting better but his own process isn't working for himself because he's still making the same boneheaded game management calls that he's made from if you go back and read the the tweets about when he was at Baylor I mean this is these are 
these game management issues have been plaguing him as a coach since he is time at Temple and Baylor. Um, and it's still something that he is very stubborn about and refuses to, to grow on. So that's just very disheartening that he himself can't, can't humble himself enough to grow and learn uh, from these same mistakes. I mean, we used all three of our timeouts, I think, before the first quarter was over. There was one left in the second quarter. They used used it um, to challenge the Sam um, the Sam quarterback sneak, right. but that's a that's a whole different discussion. But if you I, I know you're under two minutes there, and you can't use a challenge. I'm talking. Okay, so I'm sorry. the The Bucks drive at the end of the the second, where yeah. they scored, and that was maybe a catch, maybe not a catch. Um, I know you can't challenge under two, but if you have a timeout left there you can call a timeout before they get up there and run right. that play and give the booth right. time to actually see it. And, and so that was, I know people were like, well, you can't challenge there. It doesn't matter. If you have a timeout there, you get to call it and the booth mm-hmm. reviews it and has time to review it. Um, but exactly. it's week in and week out. It's the timeout stuff. It's the game management stuff. It's the, the clock management stuff. It's, it's awful. It's terrible. It, I mean, and, and it's in a day and age where that stuff is so important. You listen to what Tepper talked about, how the, the, the league's designed to be an eight and eight league. You know, teams are designed to be eight and eight. And it's the teams that do those little tiny things that may not seem so important if you're just a casual fan or, 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 or just, you know, just a ball watching fan. That's fine. But you don't understand how important those timeouts are, how important um, managing the clock is, situational management. You know, should I go for it on fourth down here? Should we go for two on it here? And it's just things that Matt Rule does wrong time and time and time and time and time again. And it's almost every week through 32 games coached. So it's, it's pathetic, but, but how different does this game look? And, and probably, and maybe not much different because it's Tom Brady on the other side of the ball. It's a much better team on the other side of the ball. But if you go up 14, three, right before half Mm -hmm. and, I mean, who's to say Tom Brady? Who's to say they, they drive down the field? Um, they may, they may not without that stop. But that that changes the dynamic of the game. And at the, at the end of the day, I didn't care if we won this game or not. It, it really didn't affect draft position one way or the other. It really, um, more than anything, I just want to see Rule get embarrassed because I don't think he needs to be the head coach of the Carolina Panthers in 2022. Um, but it's just – he, he, they don't know how to adjust. They're not prepared. And in game management is, is, is terrible. They come in. And, and, and if you see that everyone's like, well, that first drive's great. Yeah. Every week, the first drive has been great for the most part with the script, the script has been good. And Absolutely. they do not know how to adjust. On both sides of the ball, on both sides of the ball, the Panthers became the only team in NFL history to not allow an opening drive touchdown in any of their games. That's great. But then, like you said, when, when, when the script is out and we adjust and teams adjust for us, you see the product. I mean, we end up getting a close game that we had pretty much were, you know, dominating early on just gets out of hand late because the team, teams adjust and we have no answer for those adjustments. And that's on the staff. And you want to talk about – let's go back to that fourth down play. Just another asinine decision. If if you're so set on running this two quarterback system that you've been so set on, and it's fourth and inches 
and you have the greatest short yardage slash greatest running quarterback to ever exist in the NFL, and you need an inch, and now's the time that you choose not to put Cam in the game. Uh, And then his statement that he made to Tracy Wolfson about, well, both of our quarterbacks can do that. I just don't even – I don't know what to say about rule. uh, I know we need to be talking about the game at this moment, and we'll save rule for later, but that's just another – just baffling. Yeah, he – He's constantly in save his own ass mode. I feel like, um, and and we've talked about that before. But but Sam was his Sam was his guy this year, and and he's either got to roll with Sam because that's what he's got, and he's made his own bed there, or he's got to got to make him look good enough to that somebody takes him off his hands. So um, I, I think maybe that's what today was about. Uh, he spoiler alert: he didn't make himself look good today, um, but. Okay. Um, Unless you're Tony Romo. God, Tony, Tony, man, Tony. Tony Romo is running the team. He might. I mean, he had a hard on for Sam pretty much the whole game. Yeah, and I mean, I don't disagree with Tony in the fact that the offensive line has been terrible this year, but I don't think that makes Sam a viable off a viable quarterback in in the NFL this year, offensive Mm -hmm. line or not. Um, So. Moving on, I guess a little bit from the the game as a whole, let's let's get down into some specifics and talk about the young offensive linemen. Um, specifically, we'll start with Deontay Brown getting some time today. Finally, finally, you know, and we were talking back and forth, and you know, he we saw some good things, we saw some not so good things, but I think the bottom line from what I took of it from a rookie making his first start um, in you know of his rookie season in week eighteen. I thought that he looked very, very above average, very serviceable. Uh, I, I don't understand why he has been waited so long. With what I put, with the way he played today, and the shuffling that we've had, and the play that we've had out of Michael Jordan and um, you know Trent Scott, I don't understand why it took so long to see him. Because from what I saw today, he looked the part. I mean. There were some great run blocks. Uh, he had a sick, you know, which a reach block. He reached Vita Bay on a play, and that's big. That's that's a big, big deal to be able to do that. Um, and, I mean, from, from I guess, in pass pro, we did see the one hold, but overall I think he held his own in pass pro too. So uh, it's just kind of head scratching uh, when you see the way he played today to, to understand what took so long. So um, – yeah, I don't know, man. And the hold didn't even get called, so I guess it's not really a hold if you didn't get called right. for it. But uh, right. the the one and the one play I really um, enjoyed seeing was the the screenplay to Amir that got 20, 25 yards, and he was the the, the furthest lineman downfield blocking for Amir. Big man, big man was moving. And he was. He moves, and and for somebody whose whose weight has been shamed by his head coach, essentially, um, I loved seeing that, and and I. I at the end of the day, when we ran the when he first came, his first drive, he didn't actually get the start. I think Trent Scott started for the first series, and then Deontay came in for the rest of it, and then Scott came in for a couple more series there in the middle. It was it was very weird, and I don't have yeah. any clue why. But Deontay, the Deontay's first series in, we ran Chuba behind him two or three times in like mm-hmm. a four four or five play series, and um, I mean Chuba broke off 10, 10 or twelve yarder right behind him, and then a twenty yarder right behind him, back to back, and it was just. 
he was he was moving. He was getting to the second level. He was the run block was great. So I mean, I think if he can Absolutely. clean up the pass pro a little bit, I, I I see a lot of potential. Yeah, definitely. And um, as long as I think I feel like if he continues to progress in the off season program um, with his weight, um, continues to I don't want to maybe not slim down, but just move some weight around. You know what I'm saying? Just become a, a, a more solid uh, NFL player um, in terms of body composition, then, uh, you know, we might have, uh, a, you know, the right side locked down uh, going into next year. And um, that's a big thing. So I really hope that whatever was going on with him getting on the field this year doesn't progress into the offseason. Uh, I hope that they, they go into the offseason with him, you know, competing for a starting job. Uh, that would be big. And from the way he played today, I, I feel like he's earned that. So, Yeah. And then the other young offensive lineman that we can kind of touch on a little bit is Brady getting his third straight start at left tackle and then fourth or fifth of the year. I can't remember um, yeah. for sure. But, I mean, again, there was some mistakes from Brady. I think yeah. one, one of the sacks were his today, were, were his yeah. fault today. He um, – the, the first move was outside and the guy swam, swam back in, in inside and got beat him inside. And, and that, that caused a sack for on Sam. Sam should have got rid of the ball quicker. He held the ball too long on that one. But um, other than that, I did not see a whole lot that of negative from Brady. And, and I mean, at the end of the day, I think his PFF at left tackle, his PFF grade at left tackle for the year is probably going to be above 70. Mm-hmm. And with his guard grade being, pretty bad because he did not look great at guard. So I don't see how you don't go into 2022 season with him not starting at left tackle. Um, yeah. I, I think that the last three games from Brady really made, I would say that they made me okay with going into the off season, going through the off season into next year with him as the penciled in starter uh, at left tackle. I think that he did, like you said, he did make he he did have a sack, but the same thing for with Deontay. This is a rookie who you've moved all over the line the entire year. He's never gotten a chance to settle in. He's finally got three games in a row at one spot, his natural spot, the spot he's played his whole life. Uh, and I think that you you saw more positives than negatives out of him. And he is the only offensive lineman outside of Taylor Moten that you can say had more positives and negatives uh, this year. It's It's been really, really ugly on four out of five spots for the entire year. So uh, I, I, I'm very comfortable. I'll put, I'll, I'll, I will label it as I am very comfortable with going into next season with Brady as at left tackle. Now what rule and his staff, you know, whatever they determine, that's yet to be seen because they still will not come out and label him as having a future at left tackle for whatever reason. Uh, they always like to throw that word versatility around. Uh, uh, but I, I think he 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 earned – he played better in three games than Cam Irving's played in his entire career. Yeah, and I'll, I'll even add that I'm not com- more comfortable with a free agent option at left tackle that you're going to have to pay than I am with Brady because right. the money that you're going to have to pay some of these aging left tackles that are 
none of them are the elite left tackles either that are on the market. It's not a great left tackle market. Um, uh, yeah. I'd, I'd rather pencil and Brady. There's only one scenario where I see um, a left tackle not being Brady and, or I would want the left tackle not Brady and that's Evan Neal. Um, and I just, yeah. one, don't see him falling to six and, and two, um, I don't think it's smart for us to use six. Uh, we'll, we'll get into all that um, yeah. throughout the whole season. Long we got a long season. off season. I don't want to. I don't want to get in in too deep on this one because I can talk. I know the guys probably crack up, but I am the king of mock drafts over here. Um, oh, I, I've, I've been. I'll be sitting around watching TV with my wife, and I'm like, I'm not really into the show. I'll, I'll pull up the PFN mock uh, mock draft simulator, and I don't think six is the right move. I don't think using six is the right move for us, and I'll just say that. But um, okay, oh yeah, so, if you were with us last off season, you know we love draft talk. So. Yeah we'll go hardcore when draft season rolls around. Yep. So um, other than that, any young guys that you've watched over the last three or four games that have gotten time that you're excited or excited to see more of or down on or, or before we kind of get into the coach stuff. Yeah. um, I know that, you know, you're going to see what happened today and, Really, the past couple of weeks have been kind of rough for my my guy Keith Taylor, but I'm still excited about him. Um, I think that he showed a lot this year in his rookie campaign um, to be happy with, a lot to build on in an off season. And again, I keep saying that you know it's a he's a rookie, so b- going into this off season, I think there's a lot of positives to glean from that and take from that, and I think that's that's a good sign going forward. And I'm happy that you know we're going to have him in the rotation for the next you know at least few years uh to see how he grows and develops uh would have loved to see more of uh shy smith and terrace marshall but you know terrace on ir for whatever reason and, um i you know i really don't know what was going on with shy so uh but uh that's, you know we like i said see how they do in the offseason see where they go next year but yeah, I'm still not out on Shy Smith. I think he can still be a contributor to this team and this offense um, as we head into the offseason, which is supposedly about uh, re- redoing our identity on offense. So we shall see how that goes. Yeah. Um, some name, the only name that really comes to mind that I'm high on um, that has some potential for this team going forward that you didn't mention is Kenny Robinson. Uh, hmm. I don't. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. If you guys listen back with us in the preseason, that was a guy that I was really hoping made the fifty-three man to 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 start the year. We watched him, yeah. and, and especially in that Colts preseason game, he looked really good. And he's gotten some chances with injury, and today he had five tackles, and just I thought looked pretty good. So I think he's a name that that can contribute next year, especially with the uncertainty at safety and. And will Chin be a safety? Will Chin not be a safety next year? I don't know. And then will we get him some help at safety? And so there's there's still there's a lot of questions at safety. So I think that's somebody that can help us. And then um, somebody that I'm down on, young guy that I really I really liked the move at the time, uh, CJ Henderson. Yeah. He just has not looked good this year since the trade, since coming over. And mm-hmm. and I don't know the talents there. So it's 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 tough but and and they're obviously he's gonna be in the mix next year it'll be jc it'll be cj and it'll likely be one more person uh, oh and keith so you'll have jc you'll have cj you'll have keith taylor 
and and likely I, I hope Gilly, but likely yeah. one other person. Um, it may not be Gilly. They may not if they if they really pay the offensive line. If they don't draft offensive an offensive lineman and they have to pay um, two spots, then then maybe maybe we don't have the money for a corner and we run with a bunch of young guys. So I think too though, if you're talking about oh, sorry, go ahead. All right. No, that's it. That's all I have. Yeah, I was gonna say too. Well, if you're if you're talking about uh, just other people besides rookies too, I mean, I'm I'm gonna continue to pound the drum for uh, Etor Grasmatos until he gets more playing time, and I hope that he he showed that he can kick inside to the three, uh, three tech, and 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 be a mauler in there and get on the field more. Uh, like get him on the field with Hassan and Burns on the field at the same time if we do assign us. Hassan back. Uh, I think that's a that's a good spot for him. I just want the kid to get more time because I think he's a stud and I don't think he's being used correctly. So that can that can parlay into I guess the next thing that I was gonna possibly bring up. Is there anybody that you see um, may not be back next year? Even that is a good contributor, but somebody that um, we don't resign or you, you really don't think we resign or somebody that we try and move. Um, and my, my one is I, I would not be shocked to see Brian Burns moved this off season. That's my, that's my bold take prediction, whatever that he is somebody we can get actual draft capital for, which we need. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the more, I, the more I think about it, the, the more I think it is a possibility because you know, Hassan is a rule guy. And if rules show him anything, it's the fact that he loves his own guys. Uh, and so if you're going to pay Hassan Reddick, who, you know, even though Brian Burns made the Pro Bowl, Hassan Reddick was more productive this year than Brian Burns was, uh, then I do think that you could get quite a haul for Brian Burns from, from somebody. Um, and then we're, we're talking about assets. And you do have YGM, you know, uh, backing up Bur- uh, Burns, and while I don't think YGM is necessarily as talented as Burns, I do think it, it makes it more comfortable uh, to to go ahead and do that. Now, do I think that that happens? I, I don't. I think that it can. I think that he he might come up in some trade talks. Uh, we'll see. I, I, I mean that that is a very bold prediction, uh, but I wouldn't be upset with it at the right price. You know, we get a couple of twos and a three, a one and a player, something like that. Absolutely. I mean, that's, I'm taking that all day long. Um, I don't think that Deshaun or, or sorry, Dante Jackson's back. Um, I hate it for the kid. I thought he, when he played this year, I thought he played outstanding. Uh, he, he was, he got better in every aspect of his game. I mean, he, he learned how to tackle. I mean, he brought the wood this year. Uh, he he was, you know, a leader on that defense. He was a vocal leader on the defense, always on the field, uh, telling guys what to do, pointing guys around. And I did think he had a, a tough game against Washington. Um, and then it kind of went downhill from there. Uh, and then, of course, he gets injured. So um, I think you're choosing between him and Gilly. And I don't think that they're going to bring Dante back. I think that uh, he played himself into a bigger contract and probably a bigger contract than we're going to be willing or able to pay this offseason. 
Um, and that's, that's unfortunate for us because I, I like Dante a lot. I could see a, a Washington football team slash admirals slash whatever they're called reunion for Dante. The Washington Sentinels. I just they need to go ahead and do that. Yeah. Just it, bring Shane Falco out of the woodwork. Okay. Um, so I guess other than that, um, other than the obvious offensive lineman and, and quarterback need next year, what's the one position coming out of this last game that you think is the biggest need? So you said opposite of the obvious wide uh, offensive line quarterback. Yep. Okay. Um, I think a middle linebacker um, is, is, is a pretty big need. Um, while you can look on paper and say that our defense is rated the number two overall defense, you know, blase, blase, whatever, that, that's nice statistically. But I think it becomes obvious when a team can run the ball downhill that's our biggest weakness uh, is, is getting pounded up the middle uh, by a strong running team. So uh, I think there's a big hole in the middle of the defense. And I think we need a true middle linebacker. Um, Jermaine Carter, I thought, played admirable this, this season. Um, Shaq had a great season. But um, we need that, that true blue, you know, middle linebacker there in the middle. Uh, and then – a run-stuffing presence off the edge. Um, I love Brian Burns. I love Hassan Reddick, but they get washed a lot. They don't always set the edge in the run game. Um, so bringing in somebody who can set that edge and be a force in the run game, I think is big uh, for our defense next year. So if they want to take that next step and become even better than what they are now, which they are good defense, don't get me wrong, but they are not this – elite defense that some fans seem to think we have yep um i would say for me it is one middle linebacker two safety and three honestly it's who's going to be opposite of jc yeah i think those are your one two and three on defense and then the honorable mention i guess would be um sneaky it's tight end um, on the offensive yeah. side, I, 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 Trimble is a fine gadget guy, whatever. But you need a true tight end, and it's not Ian Thomas. I think Ian Ian looked better this year. I think that was one of my predictions looking into the year that Ian Thomas would would show that he's a he is an NFL tight end. And I think I mean he'll get another contract. He'll get a, a one or two year deal with somebody being a second the second tight end for someone. Um, but we've yeah. already got a, we've already got a second tight end, and that's Tommy Trimble. I, we need a we need a one. Um, we need somebody who is essentially an, an extra receiver. Um, so that's that's the other, and that's if CMC's healthy. I mean, running backs a whole if CMC's, CMC's not healthy. Um. Well, that is you know I completely spaced on that uh, part of the conversation too. Um, this is a big one, and we're gonna have a, a lot of Aussies to talk about it, but. What do you think the over-under on CMC not getting moved this offseason? The contract, he won't get moved. And um, I, I really just don't see it unless somebody really needs a running back and they're fine to eat the um, 12 million over three after next. So basically Christian is a, what, $17 million running back next year. And yeah. then you can cut him after 2022 so in the start of the 2023 season you can cut him you eat five in 2023 
five in 2024 and then one point something in 2025. Well, that's so, not that's not near as bad as I thought. Yeah. So it's not terrible, but I'm not sure someone gives up anything real for a $17 million injury prone running back even next year. So one, it's basically what it boils down to is 29 million for next year if you're gonna cut him. So I think we go we go into next year with CMC paying him the money and just really hope that he stays stays healthy or because um, his, his like contract's actually reasonable right. those last yeah. three years. And next yeah. year's the one that sucks. Um right. looking at it. So it wouldn't be out if, if he plays well next year, I think CMC stays a Panther. If he does not play well next year or can't stay healthy, CMC will be cut after next year. That's that's and the I, only two that's the only two scenarios I see working. And I think too, like what you've talked about in the group chat and what we've talked about at nauseum is is a different role. If you can make him a Debo Samuel role, like you've said umpteen hundred times in the group chat, I think that's perfect. He touches, perfect. he touches the ball roughly twelve to fifteen times a game, and yep. that's about half run, half catch. Mm-hmm. And you line them up in the backfield, you line them up at slot, you you do a lot of stuff with him. And you bring back Chuba, obviously, on his rookie deal. And I think you bring back Amir Abdullah, probably. He's probably earned a spot. And and I don't think you spend draft capital with what small draft capital you have this year right. on another Not this running year. back. So that's what you, you run with the three-headed monster of those three guys. Um, and, and you keep CMC healthy. And I think that changes the offense, just having to be – and, and you may can up it a little bit from 15. I'm, I'm sure you're going to have a hard time getting Christian to even agree to only 15 touches a game. But, I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, you don't want him carrying it more than 12 times. Care And then and then he gets some targets and um, you call it a day because it it's obvious. The, the, the usage wore him down. Mm. 30 touches a game will wear anybody down. <laughs> but – Christian, I mean, he's not Derrick Henry, and we still get him 30 touches a game. So it's just 30 touches a game or Derrick Henry down. Yeah. The biggest that, running back in NFL history ever. Yeah. So that's got to change, or he will get hurt again next year. So I think, regardless of it, and we, we talk, we, we've heard them talk about it today, mentioned today. Uh, uh, a philosophical change on that side of the ball. I think that you can't go into next off season with Christian being the focal point of your offense. Your offense cannot run through Christian McCaffrey. Your offense cannot be designed and reliant on having a Christian McCaffrey type player there because it's not going to happen with the volume that was required to sustain our offense early on in the year. So we've got to find a different identity on that side of the ball, no matter who you bring in here. And that's just a fact. So. Yep. And then one last player talk, I guess, before we move on to rule and the offensive coordinator spot. Um, but the Sam Darnold, do, do you think he's back as a Panther next year? Do you think he's the star? If so, do you think he's the starter next year? Um, so those are the two the two questions. Okay. Um, so 
I think that that fifth year option kind of puts the Panthers in a, a between a rock and a hard place where it's kind of almost he has to be here. Uh, I don't really feel like paying another quarterback to either sit at home or be on somebody else's bench. So um, I think he is back next year. Um, I personally, um, and we're going to have, like I said, all off season to talk about what the Panthers are going to do, you know, pre, you know, in the draft. Um, but personally, uh, if in fact rule is retained and is the coach next season, I think that he is going to, Sign some band-aid offensive linemen to say he addressed offensive line in free agency. And I think that we're going to take a quarterback there at six. So he's kind of got like a built-in excuse uh, for somewhat struggling next year. And I do think Sam will go into camp and probably start the season as the starter. Uh, and when the fans uh, – and when it gets ugly and the fans are on, on the verge of rioting, I think that they'll bring the rookie in and – probably get him killed whoever it is uh unless they do make some decent signings and in, in free agency along the offensive line so uh i think yes and yes to both your questions i think sam will be back next year and i think he will start the season off as a starter that's no fun because that's the exact same answer i had um, oh okay man <laughs> no you're good i i wanted some some different I, I thought you might have a differing opinion um but yeah. i don't see anyone taking sam's deal so, no. so you no. keep, you keep Sam there's cause cutting him and you don't get in. I mean, there's no, there's genuinely no benefit from cutting him. There's, it's no. not like you save some dead money there on those fifth year options. So yeah, you're paying for another. Right. So. so Sam is not, Sam will be a Carolina Panther next year. And I think you, the best you're going to get in a trade, we're not going to get a blue chip guy. The best you'd get in a trade is a Minshew type, um, Maybe a Huntley, if the because I think both of those are probably on the trade block, um, but we don't really even have the assets for even guys like that to be able to afford to to trade for those guys. So I think yeah. it may not even it may not be the even the first round pick. Um, it may be we we make a trade and it's the second round if if we trade back from six. And one of the scenarios that I actually really like is trading back to. 12, 12 to 16 range and, and drafting that second tier of, of linemen. So not, not Evan Neal, not Icky, but, but a, a Linderbaum or, or someone or, or cross somebody. And you, you get a second round pick out of it and you take somebody like, um, I mean, I don't love Ritter, but Ritter, you take someone like um, the Nevada quarterback, Carson Strong, somebody, somebody that, just gives you some hope and some potential and they sit for a few weeks. And if Sam is really bad, then like you said, the fan base kind of calls for them, but there's also the scenario where rule goes, no, I'm going to take Pickett at six. I'm going to take Coral at six. And uh, so, but I, I, yeah. do, I agree with you. Yeah. And, you know, I think it would be a, a solid idea to, bring one of those second tier QBs in just, you know, cause you never know, especially, you know, you look at like a Dak Prescott taken in the fourth round, obviously that's very, very rare. You know, Russell Wilson, I think he was like a third rounder. Um, but anybody who I just don't see a path to us getting Watson. Um, 
I don't know where we find assets that Houston wants. I don't know where we justify trading those assets away for Deshaun Watson without addressing the offensive line or anything like that. So I don't think the Watson path is happening. I think the best uh, thing I think the best thing we could offer for Watson is Burns, Chin, DJ, and two firsts. Like so the sixth this year and next year's first. And then what the hell do you have to put around him? Well, I, exactly. So we can't we really can't offer three picks because we don't have enough picks to offer three picks. No. So you add you add the players and give the only picks you have. And then what, what are you stuck with? Watson, some mediocre offensive linemen you're able to sign this year. No number one receiver. And nope. you know, so can't stay healthy. And no future. No future first round pick. You know, I mean, that's – it's just I, – I, as much as I like the player, Deshaun Watson, I just don't think that it's feasible. Um, well, and, and – and, the legal stuff still not even solved. Who knows if he can even play? Exactly. Exactly. I, I, heard, I read that he had or was trying to settle 18 of the 21 civil counts out of court. So, I mean, we'll see. But, you know, it's going to be another offseason of speculation. And I'm sure that unless we draft somebody, it's going to be, you know, we're going to be linked into every conversation. But I wouldn't get your hopes up. I don't think if you're a fan out there that thinks we're going to get Deshaun Watson, I just I, – I don't. I thought I think it's a pipe dream. I don't I don't think it's going to happen. So uh, Minshew, like you said, that's a realistic name. If we don't draft somebody, um, I think Dalton's going to be a free agent. As awful as that is, uh, he's better than Sam. Um, and then uh, we're just we don't have the assets or the attraction for these guys like Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers to to want to come here. What are you selling to Russell Wilson to want to come to Carolina? A worse offensive line that he's been dealing with in Seattle for however many years, right? So if you're somebody that wants Russell Wilson, he has a no-trade clause too, so he gets to pick where he gets traded to. He's not saying yes to Carolina. So that's, that's not, that's not going to happen. And Aaron Rodgers, no, that's – Aaron Rodgers, I can promise you, is not coming to Carolina. That's, 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 not, that's not happening. Yeah, and at the end of the day, you make trades for guys like Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, when you're a quarterback away and that's it. When you've built the line, when you've built the, the town around it, right. we are not just a quarterback away. No. And, and so it just doesn't make sense. We need the assets. We need the picks. We need everything. So that's enough uh, speculating on, on stuff like that. Let's move on to speculating about coaches. Um, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about Rule, who seems to be safe per most reports, except for Jay Glazers, um, which we can talk about, and then talk about a few possible the, – the, the few names that were leaked as – the leaders in the clubhouse for offensive coordinator candidates, but maybe some other guys that we, we think it should be over those. So start, start us off. Yeah. So um, if you are a Panther fan and didn't happen to hear today or living under a rock. uh, So it was a weird day because it came out early 
Ian Rappaport saying that rule's safe. He's going to come back next year um, and that he's been vetting offensive coordinators uh, because organizationally it's been agreed that we a change in direction and philosophy on that side of the ball. Then you fast forward to Fox pregame and you got Jay Glazer saying that his sources are telling him that rule is in fact not safe and his job status depends on his ability to hire a quote unquote rock star offensive coordinator. Not quite sure what that means. So, uh, I've got a, t- I've got a, I've got a take and I, th- I tweeted this out this week and um, I think that rule and rules I- agent is most people's source. And that is who is saying that rule is safe. And that's where Rappaport, that's where person, that's where everyone is getting that. And I could be very wrong, but mm-hmm. I think, I think it's coming from rules camp and, or those associated to rule like a Nixon think people in rules camp, someone in rules camp is the one that's saying rule is safe. I mm-hmm. think that someone outside of rules camp is Glazer's source. And I think that is why you're hearing the different opinions. So it could be fit. It could be te- It could be someone else. I don't know. But someone that is not rule associated is Glazer's source there. And that is why I think you're hearing different. Well, let's hope. Let's hope that that's the case. But anywho, we were listed as being connected with three names from the Rappaport Report. And one of those was Jay Gruden. Good night. One of those was Jay Gruden. Uh, the other one was, <laughs> get a good chuckle out of this one, Bill O'Brien. It's a rock star name for you if I've ever heard one right there. Uh, Mr. Tradeaway, New Hopkins. But, uh, and then the third was the, I forget his name, the uh, Evan O'Connell. Evan O'Connell, the uh, Los Angeles Rams offensive coordinator. So um, I think that you're seeing a trend there at least. NFL experience, NFL guys. So happy with that. Um, not so sure I'm happy with two of the three of those names. Um, yeah, Jay Gruden, I mean, I, I guess he has a guy who had head coach experience, an awful head coaching experience, but uh, was a solid coordinator in Washington. Um, and then Bill O'Brien, uh, yeah, I mean, he had a lot of good years in Houston. Uh I, I mean, I guess you could probably talk me into it um, because he, he – I mean, he was a solid coordinator. He wouldn't have gotten a head coaching job if he wasn't. So, um, the one that excites me the most is obviously anybody coming out of the Rams organization is going to appeal to me. Uh, that's the style of offense I want. That's the style of offense I think you have to have in today's NFL to win. Um, and that's definitely a shift in philosophies from what, you know, the style that Rule wants to play. Do I think that somebody with that philosophy is going to coexist with rule? Well, no, I don't. Uh, I think that the, you know, the first time we go 10, 15 plays without running the ball and rules going to get pissed and they're going to butt heads. So um, at least I know that what we said a couple podcasts ago, the organization is laying down the wall and saying, you, you, we need to change. We need to change on that offensive staff and that side of the ball in as a whole because these past six weeks, I don't know what you want to call our offense. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what it is. It's been an abomination, and it could not continue. 
So, yeah, and I think the the Bill O'Brien name is desperation for Deshaun to wave his no trade to us. I and then, but then there's a lot of speculation as to why Deshaun would want to play for Bill again after the nuke trade and how that all ended. So I don't. That one just seems dumb, very dumb. Jay Gruden one seems dumb for different reasons. Um, <laughs> um, and then O'Connell, I don't see why he'd want to leave being the offensive coordinator of probably the second best team in the, right. in our, in the, in, in the conference, in yeah. the conference. Yeah. So I don't, and, and probably top four team in all of football right now. So I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't quite get that. Uh, reasoning unless he's promised head coaching job if things don't go well as an organization I don't I don't I don't understand it and um, go ahead I think that that's the thing that people need to remember with any of these searches is they have to want to come here right like you have to there has to be mutual interest obviously and I think when you have a guy like Jay Gruden, obviously there's, he's probably interested because he's not at, he's at home right now, you know, he's chilling. So obviously they ain't going to be interested, but when, but you know, even like with Bill O'Brien, he's in a great situation in at Alabama, but if he just wants to get back to the NFL, uh, I don't think that this is going to be his first like step back into the NFL. Yeah. Let me go take over with Sam Darnold. Um, like you said with the the kid from from LA why the hell would he want to leave what they've got going on in Los Angeles for a lateral move I mean it's a lateral move it's not he's an OC now it's not like he's a quarterback coach he's an OC now and he would be going laterally to I guess you'd have to make him to even interview him you'd have to make him be an assistant head coach because it has to be upward move so i mean but still why would you want to leave what's there to come coach sam darnold and because i mean any of the guys that we hire are going to go into the offseason not knowing who's going to be the quarterback so i don't know it doesn't make sense um i i really think the only guys that you attract are, are the are the like the quarterback coaches the passing game coordinators the 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 those type of guys um and obviously um college offense coordinators but I want to stay far far away from that but I just don't like that list um and I don't consider any of those rock star offensive coordinators uh to be completely honest with you per per glazers thing so um we talked about this a little bit before we went on air but are there any names out there that you would like to see considered for offensive coordinator um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I've said it, you know, I've said it for two, three weeks now. Like, um, I think a case could be made for an ex-head coach that you promise the inside leg on in a head coaching search should go get fired. So um, I really want them to be linked to like a Doug Peterson. Um, I think Doug Peterson would be perfect. Um I uh, really, Ken Dorsey, um, I guess I would like to see him interviewed. Uh, I think, you know, he's been in a great, uh, you know, a good system. He's seen how a team's supposed to work. Um, obviously, there's the connection to Dan Morgan. He was in Buffalo. And 
uh, and he was here, uh, obviously not with the staff, but, you know, he was in Carolina um, as Cam's quarterback coach. So um, that's a, that's an interesting name. I, I, you know, he's never, I don't think he's called plays in the NFL, but I think that, you know, at least he's an NFL guy. It's not a college guy. So, um, and then I know that everybody, when I say this, rolls their eyes at me, but I'm, I'm just, a, I think I'm just a Jim Caldwell. I, I think I like what he brings to the organization in terms of showing rule. If he's in fact the guy showing rule, how an NFL team is supposed to be ran and from that position and how it's just a good guy to have as sort of guiding the staff as a whole. And, and probably can, and I, and I would say that anybody who's coming in is going to be, have some say in who they want to hire. Um, and if with uh, Vic Fangio being fired in Denver, you know, if you can get Mike Munchak, that offensive line coach from they have, a, he's great. He, he's a wonderful offensive line coach. And I really, really hope that we give him a call and get him to come fix this situation. And I think with a Jim Caldwell or a Pep Hamilton, somebody with some, you know, say and that knows people in this league, I think you can get a guy like a Munchak to come. Uh, and play or coach under a guy like that, under a guy like Jim Caldwell. So uh, Jim Caldwell is going to be in the list until he's not. So. Yeah. So Dorsey was one, a name that I was going to say to watch just with the, the Buffalo Buffalo being Carolina North connection there with, with Dan Morgan and, and all the, that, that, all that considered. Um, so I did a little looking around for names of, of who people consider the best candidates and, um, we can cross the top name off the list. That is uh, Joe Brady. He is by all means the, uh, by all accounts, the, the top offensive coordinator suggestion um, from, from the articles that I've uh, done a little reading on before this. So I don't, I do not think he will be our offensive coordinator next year. Um, <laughs> um, but past that um, Luke Getze is the Packers quarterback coach. He is, uh, their their offensive coordinator is stated is slated as somebody who could get get looks, so he may just assume their offensive coordinator role if if, if Hackett leaves. Um, but I would like to see his name floated possibly, um, and then really take a look at all of the pass heavy, up tempo offenses in the NFL. I'll take their quarterback coach. Um, so the Rams, the like I said the um, Green Bay, I'll, I'll take any of their quarterback coaches. I'll, I'll listen to them and, and hear what they have to say because um, someone needs to change the offensive philosophy there. And Brady wasn't able to, he didn't have the pull to do so. Um, so give me someone who, who does. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's, I think it it needs to be a guy that comes from a good organization too. Somebody who knows what a functional organization looks like and can, I don't want to say coach, but can offer advice on how to run a locker room in the NFL and how to put together a staff in the NFL, how to game plan in the NFL. Because like, I don't, I mean, I hate Rule as a coach, but, like, I don't hate the person. I think by all accounts, he's probably a great guy. He might be a fine leader, but he does not know what he's doing at this level in terms of building a staff, in terms of 
being a leader in a locker room and a staff. And um, I think he, whoever it is needs to be well-respected and come from a place with a winning culture. So uh, I wouldn't count out picking somebody off of the Steelers uh, organization just with Tepper because he's going to – obviously Tepper has some hand in this. You know, he's he, – uh, people can say he's hands off. People can say he's letting the football guys do football. But this is coming from Tepper. Um, I think that it was smartly advised to him by Fitterer and, and, and Dan Morgan. So um, I'm happy to see it happening. Now, um, let's hope that again – I mean, let's just hope. I mean, we could all wake. We could wake up tomorrow, and Matt Rule could be fired, and this conversation is null and void. Um, but at the same time, um, if it does happen, I at least know that we are making a change uh, in terms of his staff, and and that's something that is positive to take in the next year. Yep, I I don't disagree with any of that. So. I think we have run this discussion into the ground. Um, so I, I think that's enough for this week. I think Matt will be with us here in, in the next week or two. We'll get back on and do kind of um, a, a broader season recap and just, just kind of throw some thoughts out there. This was more um, a little bit more specific into this week. And then we did talk a little bit about just, just the coaching um the, the coaching possibilities. So um, that's all for me this week, Corey, anything else to, to close us with? It's been a rough one. It's been a rough year guys. And uh, I just hope that there's brighter days ahead. Um, I'm not in any position to, <laughs> to, to say there's brighter days ahead as long as Matt rules our head coach, but uh, um, yeah, we've got all off season to complain about Matt rule. So um Stick with us. Uh, we'll be back uh, doing a lot more stuff this offseason and draft season. And, um, yeah, as always, I guess, you know, keep pounding, uh, even as hard as it is. In, in keep, these pushing. keep pushing. Keep pushing. Lord have mercy. Keep pushing. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, all right, I've got to make it. I've got to, I've got to um, give some context to that one. So, Oh God, that was hilarious. Uh, so those of you who did not see it, um, the roaring riot, God bless the roaring riot. Um, someone associated to them, someone who knows them. I don't, I don't even know who made it happen, but someone did a cameo for, uh, uh, Matt rule. It was, it was to Matt rule and it was a joke, but it was Jimmy Clausen. Um, and it was, it was, it was great. It was basically clowning Matt rule for 30 seconds and, uh, just, talking about how he uh, models his life after Jay-Z and uh, told him to keep, just keep pushing, just keep pushing. And it was just, it was, yeah, uh, go find the Roaring Ride on Twitter and, and scroll through their videos. It's still, it's, it's still there. I imagine they tweeted it out, but it's the best thing I've ever seen. Fabulous. Um, so that'll end it for us all um, this week. And uh Hopefully we have a better 2022 to look forward to. I know, I know, I know we'll talk ad nauseum about the draft and free agency and all that. So stay tuned and thanks for tuning in. Bye.